Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Welcome to all you out there in TV land. Um, we're starting a new series this morning. Uh, I'm excited about this series. Uh, I'm excited to see what, what God uh, wants to say to us in it. Um, full disclosure, uh, typically when, when, when we start a new series, um, you know right now uh, about as well as I do where we're going to end up. Uh, <laughs> a lot of times the Lord will give us a direction and we will start this process together and he kind of shows up along the way and kind of points and kind of guides us and directs us as the weeks go on. So I'm genuinely excited to see where where we go because I don't really know at this moment, but but I'm confident that, that God has something specific to say to each one of us. Amen. Uh, the series is, is entitled Relationship Resto. Uh, I, I think the, the, the visual of this probably came into to mind because I have to admit, I, I watch, we watch a lot of HGTV at my house. Um, I love renovation shows. I, I like the, the creativity of it. I, I like um, seeing something become more than what it was. Uh, anybody, raise your hand if you're willing to admit that you like HGTV and renovation shows. Okay, so I'm not the only one. Um, it's inspiring me to, to watch and, and see somebody walk into a space and see potential, see possibilities that are not there currently, and then make those things come into a reality. Hidden potential. It's, it's amazing, and it, 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 it's, it's uh, encouraging and it's life-giving. Sometimes, if you're not familiar, I'm sure you understand the concept, even if you don't watch a lot of those shows, but they follow the same basic thing. You take a room or a house or a property that that is one thing, and you make it something else. Some of them are, are nice homes. They're in decent shape, and they're just, you know, they're just regular homes, and they turn them into these you know, show-stopping, amazing places that, oasises that you just never want to leave. And then some shows, they start with these absolutely disgusting, haunted murder mansions. And they gut them, and they take them down to the studs, and they pull out all the plumbing, and they completely rebuild these and do a complete restoration to where you can't uh, recognize what it was from what it becomes. For the next several weeks, I want to invite you on a, on a similar opportunity. But instead of carpets and kitchens and floor plans, we're going to be looking at our relationships. We're going to ask Jesus to give us a kingdom vision for the connections around us. Because it all starts with vision. And so we want to give God this, this moment, these next few weeks, to speak to us about the relationships that we are in. Because it's, if, if we don't start at vision, if we don't start with, with taking stock, with looking again, with looking deeper, we're never going to get to any place different. Um, one of my favorite episodes of all time I saw, I think it was an episode of House Hunters. I don't remember exactly. Uh, they all kind of, you know, run together because they're basically the same show, just different people talking. Um, but there was this one episode. This lady was 
looking for a house, and she, you know, went and saw two or three different ones, and it came down to these two houses, and one, um, one she loved. She walked around it. Everything about this house she loved, and it was, I forget how much money, maybe, I don't know, $300,000, something like that, um, except all of, the, all of the faucets and the doorknobs and, and all that in the house were brass, and she hates brass, right? And, and um, so she walks around this house, and, and she, can't, she hates these brass doorknobs and, and faucets and all this stuff. And then it comes out of this other house that, as she walked around it, there wasn't really anything she liked, uh, loved about the house. It was just like would work. But she, but it, she really liked the faucets because they were like a brushed bronze or whatever. And the real estate person that's walking her around is, is t- tells her in the, in this, over the course of the, you know, the episode, probably four different times, he, he reminds her that those are, that those are uh, you know, replaceable. And do you know, and not to mention the second house was $100,000 more than the first house. Do you know she picked the second house because she couldn't get over the faucets? She couldn't see, she literally couldn't see past them. And so she bought something, she settled for something that wasn't nearly as much a fit for what she, she wanted and what was going to meet her needs because she, didn't, she just couldn't see it. She spent more and she ended up with less because she just couldn't see past it. That's why vision is so important. That's why it's so important in all areas of our lives, but we're going to be looking at relationships, that we intentionally stop and ask the Lord to show us what we're not seeing. So that's what we're going to do for for the next uh, several weeks. Because I don't have to tell you that relationships are important. I don't have to tell you that this last year has made a major impact on your relationships. They've been shifted, they've been cut off, they've been delayed, they've been redefined. There are people that you love dearly in your life that you have never, you have not in the last year seen past their belly button. Because the only thing you've seen them on is a Zoom call, right? And it's been long enough now that we have established New normals. You know, one of, one of, the, 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 one of the, our strengths as, as people is uh, we are adaptable. We, we are good at getting used to new situations, which is a, it's a good thing. It's a coping mechanism. It's, 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 it's a skill we need to have. But it's important that we understand that because there are some things that we shouldn't let become normal. There are some things that... that Yes, they, for a time period, they may be necessary, but we have to be intentional about making sure that that doesn't become our new permanent normal because it's not supposed to be. So we want to look at our relationships, take stock, and by God's grace, as we come out of this thing, now is a perfect time to do that, to start asking the Lord to give us fresh vision for the relationships in our life. So that they can not just go back to the way they were, but they can become something better than they'd ever, they've ever been. Um, sorry, my microphone's falling off. 
Uh, this is vital because life is about relationships. Even though we, we tend, especially here in the States, we, we tend to live as though function is, is what life is about. It's so easy to go through life and, and spend our, our uh, Pastor Sam used to say, if you want to know what someone's priorities are, what? Look at their pocketbook and their calendar. And if we look at that in our lives, so much of the time, all of it, most of it, the, the, the lion's share of it is all pointing towards function, accomplishments, getting things done. But the reality is our lives are primarily about relationships. The, the quality of your relationships will determine the quality of your life more than anything else. Every part of you is affected by the quality of your relationships. There's been just, you can't count the number of studies that have been done in every area of, of life about the effect of relationships have on your life. And it's all the same thing. They all come back the same way. Your happiness, your success in, 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 on the workplace, your ability to earn money, your ability to, le to learn, your, your physical health, all of these things are directly connected to the quality of your relationships. And it especially affects your spiritual health. We say it so much, it's become cliche, but... But it is still true. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. It is. There, and there are two kinds of relationships in, in existence for you. Um, there's two categories. There's horizontal and vertical relationship. That's it. Horizontal, the relationships we have with each other. And vertical, the relationships we have with our God. And they are both they both have similarities, and there are some significant differences between the two, and we need, to, we need to be cognizant of those. But our connection to God, we have to remember, is relational above anything else. Everything that God has shown us tells us this. The, the, his word to us, the Bible itself, is a relational text. Um, we, we can see this throughout the Scripture itself. Um, the Ten Commandments, the, you know, when you think of relationship, you don't, you don't necessarily think first about the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments are relational laws. The whole point of them is to help establish guidelines for healthy, godly relationships, both uh, vertically and horizontally. The first three uh, commandments deal with our, our, our vertical relationship, Right? Love the Lord your God. No graven images. Don't take his name in vain. He's establishing the way that we can have proper connection, proper relationship with him. And then the next, the next uh, seven of them are, all, are, are there because that's what will allow us to relate to each other in meaningful ways. It's not just because he, he, he likes to control people and so he, he made rules to just be able to make us do what he wants. He, he gave us the Ten Commandments. He gave us the law so that we could have relationship. In fact, it, it, it's fascinating. The, the, the Ten Commandments, the matter of fact, the whole book of Deuteronomy um, is, is a relational treaty. 
back, way, way back in the day, um, the nations around that, that area, it was, you know, they're always at war with each other. And when, when one nation would conquer another nation, when, when the war was over, the, the treaty, just like, kind of like today, you would, you would create a, a treaty between the two, the two parties, the conquered party and, and the victorious party, right? And, and the, the treaty, we call them now, we call them suzerain vassal treaties. And it was, it was a form. It was, there was a certain standard form to it. It started with, with an enunciation of the victorious uh, nation and who they were and their accomplishments. And then the next section would be about the expectations of the conquered um, people. And then the next section would be about the, the kind of the, the outcomes, right? The blessings and the cursings if, if, that, if the, the conquered nation would, would, if you do these things, these good things will happen to you. If you don't do these things, these bad things will happen to you. That is the book of Deuteronomy. That's the outline for it. And then the whole thing was sealed by a ceremony where they would cut a bull in half and the two parties would walk between the pieces and it was a symbol and it symbolized, hey, if, I, if either one of us break this treaty, let what happened to the bull happen to me. That's how they sealed it. They called it cutting covenant. That's why we talk about having a covenant with the Lord. It's a relationship that God established with us. But here's, here's the crazy thing. Um, here's the amazing thing. If you compare this treaty that God created with the nation of Israel and by extension us, with the treaties of the day, all the rest of them, there's a couple of really significant differences. First is the length of the conditions. God gives 10. Typically there was like 50. And then there's the blessings and the cursings. Typically, you know, it, it, when a, one nation conquers another nation, you can imagine which way those go, right? Here's a couple of good things that will happen to you. <laughs> if you. If you do everything I tell you to, if you don't, a whole lot of bad, right? It was, it was 10 to 1. Um, but the, the covenant, the treaty that God creates, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. Do you, do you, there's a verse in there where he talks about how the, the, consequences, um, the consequences of sin would go on for the, the third and fourth generation. But then he says that the, the blessings, he says, if you do these things, I, you will be blessed to the hundredth generation. He flips it. He shows. So to the, to the, the nation of Israel, and understand, you've got to remember, whenever we read Scripture, we, we have to take the meaning that was meant to the people it was actually written to, right? Because Deuteronomy was not written for you first. Sorry. It was written for Israel. Um, so when, when, when the people of Israel would have seen this treaty, they would have seen it as the most generous, the most loving, the, most, the best deal that any nation had ever gotten in the history of conquerdom. That's the relationship that God sets up with us. That's not in my notes. I don't know how we ended up there. But it's important. <laughs> Our relationship with God, first and foremost, is that. He is God, but he is loving and generous. 
how we relate to God in many ways is different than, than how we should at least relate to others. He, he is separate. That vertical relationship, there are differences. There's obvious differences than all of our horizontal relationships. It's a relationship like any other. But, but for today, I want us to look at um, what makes all relationships meaningful. You know, if we're going to cast this vision for, for, for great relationships, um, meaningful relationships, we should, it's probably a good idea to start with what makes a meaningful relationship. Every one of us has a God-given need for meaningful connection, both to God and to others. From the very beginning, this was built into your DNA. Now, I know there's introverts and extroverts and all that stuff. I'm, um, I get that. But there's no such thing as a person that doesn't, doesn't need to be meaningfully connected to other people. And from, from the beginning, this was true. And we see this in, in the creation story. From the beginning, one of the first thing, there's a, a kind of a hermeneutic principle. It talks about the law of first mention. It's always significant, right? And the first thing in the Bible that God ever says isn't good is what? Man was alone, right? He says he created man, but he saw that there was no suitable helpmate for him, and it was not good. And then after he creates woman, he puts them together, then we get the first mention of very good. These are sometimes things, these are... These are some words I feel like lose a lot in translation, right? Like, God creates the world and it was good, right? I, I think we lost something there. This is, and, but when he creates relationship, when he creates the concept of relationship, it's the only thing in creation that he names very good. Why? Because it is so important. It was so central to the purpose of creation, there's a reason the, the author of Genesis chose to include this part of the story. It was the only thing that he highlights as a, as a problem that God fixes because he wanted to draw it out. He wanted us to understand that, hey, this is, this is it. He's, it's like kind of Old, Old Testament highlighting. He's like, hey, look at this. This is, this is it. This is what it's about. It's about connection. It's about knowing each other. It was foundational to our existence. So how do we, how do we constitute, how do we, how do we dive into meaningful relationships? Well, if you strip everything else away, there's kind of two driving desires, I think, that, that, that we see in Scripture and that, that we experience in our lives that cultivate meaningful connection. This is true with us and God, and it's true with us and each other. And that's simply this, to know and to be known. To know somebody and to be known by them. Meaningful, life-giving relationships happen when we know the other person. It's how we build trust. It's how we find commonality with each other. I know this about you and it's similar to me and we can find connection over that, right? I come to know, you know, know that you're dependable in this area so I can trust you and, and now I, I feel more, more safe with you and connected to you. 
When we truly know someone, we don't just know about them. We develop the ability to anticipate what they will do in the future. Right? And that, for us, is, is, is a, a, a very, uh, that, helps, that helps us feel like we belong. If I can anticipate, and you know this in your close relationships, there are people in your life that, and it can be a bad thing if we, if we take it too extreme, there are people in your life that you can have conversations with without them, right? You, you know, something happens, you, you find something out, and, you know, or you, you get a call from so-and-so, and you're going to tell your husband or your wife or whatever, and, you know, you tell them, but you don't really feel like, you're telling them just so they know, not because you need to know what they're going to say, because you already know what they're going to say. Right? Because you know them so well. This develops connection within us. But I think for, for most of us, and it's, it's, I think we under, we don't, we miss this sometimes, that the depth of any relationship actually, while that's important, our connection to someone actually has more to do with being known even than how well we know the other person. And it sounds, uh, at first, maybe a little counterintuitive, but I think it's true. And this is where sin has such a crippling effect on our lives. Just think back to the garden. God creates man and says, it's not good. And then he creates woman and he says, it's very good, like we talked about. And then it says this. It says, um, they were naked and unashamed. See, they knew each other. Completely. It says, they walked with God in the cool of the evening. They were completely open with God. But then if we pick the story up in, in Genesis chapter 3, we, we see the, what happens when sin entered the world as it pertains to us knowing each other and knowing God. In verse 7 it says, at that moment, so they just bit the apple, right? Um, at that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord, the Lord God, walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid because I was afraid because I was naked. We see the immediate and primary effect of sin in this story. They sin and immediately their reaction is to hide. They hide first from each other. This God brought together ordained relationship is now, now because of sin. There's now separation there. They felt shame and hid with leaves. They were hiding, even, God wasn't even, God wasn't in the garden yet. They were hiding from each other now. There, were, there was a need to conceal and protect from this person, from the, this, this connection that God created to be completely safe. And then they hid from God. This is what, this is what sin does. It breaks, you know, we talk about we're all broken people. We are. And I think that probably the most significant break we have is in our ability to connect, 
our ability to relate to each other and to God. See, we, you and I still suffer from that same broken reflex. We are hiders. There's something comforting about being concealed. To hide, even though, even though our deepest need is to be known. It's, it's in being known that we find fulfillment. It's in being known that, that we, we, we feel satisfied in a way that nothing else can. To truly be known for who we really are and loved and accepted for it. This is, this is at, at our core our heart's desire. But because of our brokenness, because of sin, tragically, we, we, we don't. We don't know how to do that, so we hide. And then we try to create other ways of connecting through that brokenness, and that's how we end up with just, you know, the sea of bad ideas and, and broken relationships and, and sexual brokenness that we see around us. It's, it's us trying to connect without being vulnerable, without having to come out of our hiding spots. Being known is the primary way we feel connected and accepted to each other. Did you know that listening to someone talk about themselves, or uh, listening to someone talk is a much more effective way for them to feel connected to you than you telling them about yourself? They will trust you more and here's an interesting part. So if I'm having a conversation with somebody and we talk for, for a half an hour and the whole, and you know, 25%, 25 minutes of that 30 minutes, they're sharing with me. When we walk away, that person is going to feel like they know me even more than I feel like I know them. Because there is something within us that feels connected to people that we are able to show ourselves to. Because, let's be honest, we're all kind of narcissists, and we, that's what we really care about. <laughs> we care about being known more than knowing the other person. Typically, when we, if we're honest, a lot of the knowing that we're interested in is either is selfish in some way. Either we want to know more about you to figure out how you fit into my world, or I want to know more about you so I know how you can help me in my world. Or I want to know more about you to decide if I even want you to be in my world. <laughs> Consider the relationship between a counselor or a therapist and their patient. The patient develops a deep trust and connection to the counselor, even though the relationship is disproportionately focused on them. One is doing, the one who is doing all the sharing is the one who develops the deep trust and connection. This, is a, a, this especially applies, obviously, in our horizontal relationships, but in our relationship to God. The idea that God knows you, I'm sure, is a, is a familiar idea. It's kind of all over the Bible, right? We see this over and over. John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. 
1 Corinthians 13 says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as I am completely known. God knows you completely. He knows everything about you. He knows everything you've said, everything you've thought, everything you've done, everything you thought about thinking or doing, everything you want, everything you hate. He knows it all. Theologian J.J. Packer says, says this, what, what matters supremely, therefore, is not in the last analysis the fact that I know God, but the larger fact which underlies it, the fact that he knows me. I am graven on the palms of his hands, and I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me, and there is no moment when his eye is off me or his attention is distracted from me, and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. That is amazing. And I especially, he referenced in there this, this verse. I think it's, it's such a beautiful picture. Um, Isaiah chapter 49. I know I'm jumping around, but it's okay. Uh, 49 verse 14 says, this is uh, the prophet Israel is, is talking about Israel, you know, and they're one of their funky, I don't want to follow Jesus moments. And um, he's kind of prophesying what, what's going to happen. He says, uh, verse 14, yet Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. And here's, his, here's the response. He says, verse 15, never can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she for, feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. This is the Lord talking. I will not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palm of my hands. Always in my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls in, in ruins. That phrase, writing on the palm of your hand, it's significant. In, it was significant in their culture. It wasn't just a... It wasn't just a memo like we do when we don't have our phone or a post-it note nearby, right? You just, oh, you need eggs. <laughs> so you write it on your hand. That's not what this is, this is referring to. In, in ancient Mesopotamia, it was actually common practice for masters to either tattoo or brand their servants with their name on their right hand. Right hand. It was, it was a mark of ownership, um, and it was for the benefit of, obviously, the master. So no one could steal their slaves or, or the slaves couldn't just run away. They knew where to, where to take them back to. But in this story, God completely flips that on its head to express just how much passion he has for you. In his version, the king gets tattooed. The king gets branded with your name. It's a, it's a, it's a complete 180 from the way the world does it because that's the way the kingdom of God works. He gets your name tattooed on his hand so that he doesn't forget you because the onus is on him to maintain the relationship. 
You know, if we jump back to the, to the, to the treaty God made with us, the covenant God made with us um, in Exodus, there's something amazing happens at the end of that. Remember, we were talking about all this stuff, and they sealed it with the, 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 the gross cutting of the, the bull and the walking through. Well, when, when God goes to seal that covenant with us, he does something, again, he flips what, what the current culture is doing on its head, and he's the only one that passed through the bulls, signifying that either if either fails to, to, to live up to this covenant, let it happen to me. And that's what we see on the cross. If we jump ahead, Jesus being that, you know, we call him the lamb for a reason. Being the one that, that, that gets split because the covenant was broken, even though it was us doing the breaking. See, from the beginning, he knew. And when he made the deal with us, he knew, you guys are never going to live up to this. But I'm going to take it on anyway. And so he doesn't, even, he doesn't even bother with the pretense of us walking through the, the, the bull with him. He said, just, I got this. And because of that, he, he knows us. We know a lot of that. It's, it, God knows us, and that's well documented. So why is it then that so many of us so often struggle with seeing the power of that reality bear out in our lives? We know that God loves us. We've read the scriptures, we, you know, but we, we still, there are times where maybe, if you're anything like me, there are times where you just don't feel connected at all. You don't, you don't understand, you, you believe that he knows you, but it feels like, he feels like a, a stranger, right? We're still weighed down by shame, we're, our, our prayer lives are, are still bland, feels like we're, we're just kind of praying to a wall, our, our, our time in the word, we do it because we, we, when we get to it, because we have to, or we, we know we should, but there's not a, a connection there. Why, why is there a separation there? I'd like to suggest that one reason that this, this happens, I think, is although God knows you, there are ways in which you're still hiding from him. God knows you because he's God, right? That's different that's a different kind of relationship than all the other ones we, we have, right? For, for any of us, all our horizontal relationships, if someone's going to know you, um, you, you, you have to let them know you, right? But God, God just knows us. But for you and I to experience that connection, we have to treat it like a horizontal relationship. We have to choose to show ourselves to him. If you don't, that doesn't mean he knows you any less. You just won't be experiencing the benefits and the connection of that knowledge. It's in the act of sharing, of choosing to reveal ourselves to someone that that connection happens. Them just having the information isn't enough. Have you ever, have you ever 
run into someone or met someone at a party or, or something. Maybe it's a, a spouse's coworker or a friend of a friend. And, you know, you introduce each other. And, and it's maybe a, a close friend of a close friend. And, and within a few minutes of just, like, kind of, you know, having exchanging pleasantries, they'll bring something up and that's kind of personal to you. Anybody had this happen to me? Oh, I heard, I heard you're going through this. And it, it, that is not a comfortable feeling. Is anybody... <laughs> That, you're just like, oh, wait, why do you know that? I didn't. I, it's not comfortable because we, we didn't share that with them. It was, it was, now it's coming at us from outside of what we gave away. And it, and it kicks in our, our, our hiding reflex, I think. <laughs> we just, oh, I don't like that. I don't like, we don't like the idea that, that of being known outside of what we're being willing to reveal. The same is, is true in our relationship with Jesus. If, we want that, if you want that connection, if you're struggling with that connection, I, I would suggest to you that, that there, there are areas in your life where you maybe are still hiding. You're not, you're not sharing those with God. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to close in just a minute. Um, And sometimes this is a, a, a sometimes there's there's a struggle. We we maybe know or we 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 don't share because we're embarrassed or there's shame attached or guilt or something. That's that's one reason. Sometimes sometimes there's just a, a flaw in our in our thinking that that th- like there are things that that God doesn't want doesn't care for us to tell him. God wants you to share with him everything everything every part of you because it's in it's in sharing that that in itself is an act of faith it's one thing to just know like oh god no you know just kind of fall back on that like well god knows everything and that's cool no there's a big difference between him knowing and you giving it to him both good and bad. This isn't just about our sin. This is about our whole lives. You know, we had, um, we did a, a fast um, with a devotional guide a bit ago, and um, one of the exercises that we did, um, I, I, I put in there was a couple, a number of the different days, there was just a, it kind of opened with this exercise of just spend five minutes talking to God as if he was just a very close friend about your last 24 hours. Tell him about what happened and how you felt about what happened. Just as if you, your best friend that you completely trust was just sitting there having a cup of coffee with you. And I have to tell you, that, of all the things in that, in that guide, almost probably double the number of, of comments I got about that particular exercise was twice what anybody said about anything else during that entire fasting. Because I think sometimes we, we devalue or we underappreciate the power of simply sharing our lives with God. Jesus is inviting you today to come and start sharing more of yourself with him. In this moment, 
in this week to spend time out of faith and and love to say, God, here's my life, God. Here's the good, here's the bad, here's the ugly. That he, he cares enough that he wants to hear the things, even that the things that, that you don't necessarily need an, need an answer or something for him to do, you just want to share it with him. And the things that we need him to do. And the things that we don't think we need him to do, that we do need him to do, we just don't know it because we never took it to him. There's a lot of those, by the way, where you think you have the answer in a certain situation. And if you had had the cup of coffee with Jesus, he'd have been like, yeah, that's not going to work well. So I'm inviting us all as we start this this time of kind of restoring and looking at our relationships to start with the one that matters the most, your relationship with your Savior. Would you, would you commit today, this week, to spend intentional time sharing with him maybe, maybe parts that you've not, you, you've not shared before, you know? Con- confession of sin, maybe that's, that's hard for you and, and you, don't, you don't intentionally do it very, very specifically or very often. To just be honest with him about the, the, when your, your, your junk you know, sharing some of your deep desires of your heart. You know, it's, there's nothing wrong with sharing those desires, even outside of like, you know, I think when we talk about our desires, sometimes we get so caught up in this like, well, should I ask for it? Should I not ask for it? Well, he's not a genie. I mean, do you that with your friends? I only tell them the things I want from them. No. We share what's in our hearts. Man, I love this thing. You know, you know. I was talking to someone the other day about this really cool car. I was not asking them to buy me the car. <laughs> I was just sharing that I thought it was cool. Being honest about hurts we're still dealing with. Some of us need to learn to show, to show God the, the good st- stuff in our lives. Sometimes our, our, our perspective on prayer and spending time with God is so heavy because when we think about it, we only think of the, the, the uh, talk about our, our breaks and our breakups and our owies and our sin. and our, That's all important. But there's this whole other, hopefully, this whole other part of your life full of joy and relationships and successes. God, God wants to connect to you with you on those those things as well to thank him and enjoy what's great in your life to show appreciation for 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 the joy and and people in your life this week i challenge you to spend some time every day sharing yourself with jesus telling him things you've you've never shared before there's no wrong way to do it and if, if if this isn't a regular part of your your connection with God, it's going to maybe feel awkward at first, and that's okay. It, the more you do it, the more comfortable it'll become, and I promise you, when, when if, if you will stick to it, if you will make it a priority to spend that time, 
you will develop and you will learn and eventually you'll begin to experience what it means to be in God's presence, just the two of you. And if you've not experienced that or if it's been a while, there is no substitute in life. There's, there's, there's nothing, there, there's no substitute for the corporate gathering of worship like we are today, but, but that's a different kind of joy than just being alone with Jesus. Would you commit to, to join together that we would pursue Jesus in this way this week? And just as a way to, to, to kind of commit to it, and even in this moment, just open ourselves up to God as a corporate prayer. If, if you would just stand with us, we're going to sing one final song. This song's called Surrender. And it's just exactly that, just saying, make this our prayer, your prayer, your commitment, that Jesus, I am, I'm going to give you all of myself. I'm going to show myself to you in ways that I've been hiding, in, in ways I, never, I just never thought you, you cared about. God, I'm going to give you all of me. Let's just sing this together.
God, thank you that you are a safe place to surrender. God, that you are a refuge, that you you love and care about us. God, that like scripture says, who who are who am I? Who are we that you're you're mindful of us? ask that this week as we pursue you and show you our, ourselves in new ways that you would Holy Spirit would you would you meet us in new ways God would your your peace the sense of your presence your guidance your joy would it would it be present in our lives as we we, we come to know you in new ways and let you know us in new ways experience you in new ways. God, we want want our relationships with you to to ever be growing, ever be deepening. God, as we go deeper in you, God, would you show us over these next few weeks how how we export that into the relationships around us? How do, we, how do we have more meaningful connection, more meaningful relationships, more, more significant kingdom impact on those around us? God, we thank you for, for your presence this morning. We thank you for your love. We love you back. And everybody says, amen. 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 amen.